0: How we doing? First service, I forgot to turn my microphone on. Um, but I have a really long history here of not turning my microphone on. The first, like first service I was ever involved in, I forgot to turn my microphone on. First service, I was like it'll never happen again. Second service, I forgot to turn my microphone on again. And so I think they, I think they get worried when they see that I have a microphone. So you gotta turn it on. Anyway, uh, we're glad you're, we're glad you're here this morning. Um, we've been in a series called base camp for the past few weeks, basically talking about those things um, in the life of a Christian, those things that can help them grow, where they get the nourishment, where they can return to, those kind of cornerstones of what it looks like to grow. So the first week, we started out by talking about the Bible. We talked about uh, why the Bible's accurate, what the Bible means, that kind of thing. Last week, Pastor Scott talked about discipline, and today, I want to wrap that up and put a bow on that by talking about, about serving. Um, and now, before I start, I don't, I don't want this just to come across as a message about serving in the church. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But I also, I, but I don't want you to miss the idea that um, as, as believers, we are called to serve other people outside of the church as well. As a matter of fact, even if you're not a believer in Jesus this morning, I think there's probably something in you that would say, yeah, I'm supposed to help other people. Like, I'm supposed to serve other people. Other people, And so what I want to do this morning is I want to to give us a a framework of of how we can get involved actively in people's lives as we kind of live day to day. Um, But also how we can serve him uh, here at church, too. Um, A couple of years ago, I bought a a used, new-to-me truck. And, um, of course, like any good man, after you buy a truck, you start thinking of things that you want to do to it, right? Um, And so one of the things that I really wanted on this truck is it didn't have running boards on it. And I really wanted some running boards because I have to get my lady up in the truck. Y'all know what I'm saying? When you get a truck, you got to have a lady, you got to have a dog. I don't have a dog, so at least i got to get my lady in the truck, right? And so I decided this thing needs running boards. And so, of course, where did I go to find running boards? Walmart. Amazon. <laughs> so I, I order some, some running boards on Amazon. They come, and a couple weeks later, I call I called my, my dad and thought it would be a good little project for us to work on together. And so he comes over and uh, we start to, to put these running boards on my truck. And so we open up the box. And of course, like any good men, we see the directions. And his words literally are, we won't need those. And put some over here. And so 30, 45 minutes later, we have made lo- no progress on getting these running boards on my truck. And so, you know, we're kind of holding pieces up, trying to figure out where, where they go. And about that time, um, my little four-year-old at the time comes running out of the door. Daddy, pops, can I help you? And we're like, nobody, we got it. He could tell we were lying, and so he comes anyway and comes and he jumps up under the truck with me and starts trying to tell me how to put this thing together. I'm like, smart, smart-mouth kid. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. But he starts trying to tell me how to put these things together, and. Uh, he gets out from under the truck, goes, picks up one of the, the running boards, and he, and he can't, even, can't even pick it up to, to bring it to me. But I started thinking, what would, what would happen if, like Riley that day, we got involved in the situations and the lives of people with that kind of spirit, the spirit that says, I don't, I don't know how to do all this. As a matter of fact, I don't even have the strength necessarily to do it myself, but because you need my help, I'm going to come alongside of you and help you. What would happen if the world had, had a church, had a body of believers that didn't care where you were from, the color of your skin, your belief, what you, what you identified yourself with, but was willing to help people and go all in into serving other people that need our help? What if we could be more like my little boy, Riley, I wanna talk this morning from a, for just a few minutes from this subject, more than lip service, more than lip service. Y'all f- heard that statement before, right? It's when somebody says they wanna help, but they don't really wanna help. Wives, this is, this is when your husband says, I'm gonna get around to it. It's just lip service, right? He's just trying to pacify you. You figured it out. It's just, it's just lip service. In other words, I, I'm, I'm gonna talk about it, I'm going to talk about it to make you feel better. But really, I'm going to talk about it to make me feel better. But it's really, it's just, it's just lip service. More than lip service. We're going to be in Mark chapter 6. It's the story of the feeding the 5,000. If you've been in church for a little while, you probably know that story. Even if you haven't, you probably have some context for that. Um, but just to kind of set this up, I would be remiss if I did not. Wow, big word, remiss. If I did not, somebody write that down. It's not a long word, but it's a complex word. Anyway, I would be remiss if I did not tell you that the miracle we're about to read, the central character of it is Jesus. Like, he, the entire course of Scripture, the central focus of Scripture is Jesus. You cannot miss that. The story we're about to read is, is a look at the power of Jesus. It's a look at Jesus' unwillingness to allow people to operate in lack. It's a story about Jesus' ability to, 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 to perform miracles, about his divinity, about the fact that he is going to save the world, the fact that he provides for his people. All of that stuff is true, but I want to take just a little bit of a different angle on it because there's other people, there's other characters in the story we're going to read. It's the disciples. The disciples. And if we look and we contrast the disciples in this story with Jesus and we kind of see how Jesus works them along so that he they can understand where he's coming from in this I think there's there's something that we can gain. So Mark chapter 6 Jesus has has called his disciples they've started following him as a matter of fact just they are just coming off of this tour of ministering by themselves so they're preaching they're they're healing they're helping people and so where are we going to pick up the story? They have come back to report this to Jesus. And that's what, we'll pick it up in Mark 6, starting in verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from the ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Let's pause right there just for a second. Because it's important that even the Son of God take his disciples away to try to rest. They're going to get interrupted. But rest is important. Some of us, we are so busy serving other people, and it's that codependent thing, but we're so, we're so busy serving other people that we don't take time to rest. And the problem is, is when you are serving and you are tired, you burn out, your passion wanes, and people begin to sense that. So Jesus is taking his disciples away to rest. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. So they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran along, ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. So you have Jesus, the disciples, they're in a boat. You have people running. Apparently there was like rough water or something because these people take off running and they actually beat Jesus and his disciples to the other side. Verse 34, says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as they stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Here's just a side note, especially if you're in here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is always focused on the lost. So the thing that gets his heart in this passage is the fact that there's people without a shepherd. Later on, Jesus would call himself the good shepherd. In other words, he is the one that they can follow. So he sees these people, and he says, these people are lost. They're wondering. They're, 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 without, they're without hope. They're looking for something. Jesus always has compassion on the lost, which, by the way, if you're a believer, you should, you should too. Finish the passage. It says, so he began teaching them many things. And here's the part I want to key in on, verse 35. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages to, try to, buy, or to buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. So five things about offering more than lip service, five things about serving others that I think we see in this story. Number one, when we see a need, it's because we should meet the need. When we see a need, it's because we should meet the need. So here we have this crowd that's gathered around Jesus. It's getting late, it's getting dark, the people are hungry, they're probably hangry by this point, point. and the disciples see the need and their solution is to send them away. They, the disciples say, hey, these people are hungry, let's send them away. Seems like a reasonable solution, right? Y'all go home, y'all get you something to eat. The disciples wanted to send them away, but what did Jesus want? He wanted to meet the need. Jesus' primary concern is always the needs of his people, even at the cost of being interrupted. I'm terrible at being interrupted, y'all. I'm so impatient. I have on my mind what I want to get done. And if, I, if my schedule blows up, I am not good at handling interruptions. But the thing about Jesus is we see throughout Scripture that Jesus is really good about handling interruptions. As a matter of fact, he pauses everything at times to meet the needs of one individual person. And I want you to know this morning, like, if you feel like Jesus isn't meeting your need, I want want you just to hang on. Because Jesus always meets the needs of the people that are close to his heart. And that's everybody. Jesus is meeting your need. There's a time in Scripture where Jesus is actually going to a man's house to heal his daughter and a lady the bible says who was an outcast in society comes up and just touches touches the edge of his coat and so Jesus is willing to be interrupted so that he can meet the needs of this lady because she later she gets healed on the on the spot there's another story one of my favorite stories in the gospels is about a little man named Zacchaeus some of y'all are singing the song right now aren't you I'm not going to sing it because I don't want to get stuck in everybody's head. If you don't know it, you're better off. But there's a story about this little boy, this guy named Zacchaeus. He was an outcast of society. Nobody liked him. He was lonely. He he, he worked in a bad profession. And one day, Jesus is walking through town. Zacchaeus, the Bible says, is short, so he climbs a tree just so he can get a look at Jesus. And this man that society has outcast, the Bible says Jesus recognizes him. Jesus interrupts his schedule, recognizes him, actually invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus would be teaching, and somebody would have a need, and Jesus would would meet the need. Jesus was all about being interrupted. My question is, are you? Like, am I okay with being interrupted to meet someone else's needs? And here's the thing. Jesus didn't just meet spiritual needs, but he met physical needs too. I'm afraid that the church has gotten really good at talking and trying to say, I'm going to meet a spiritual need, but it's been ignoring the physical needs. When you look at scripture, Jesus met the physical need first. Jesus was, was all about meeting spiritual needs, and the spiritual is important. That's the eternal, but it's oftentimes in the physical that people will allow their spiritual needs to be met. When we see a need, it's because we should meet a need. Jesus cared about the physical needs, obviously by this, this story that, that we're reading, but we all see needs kind of differently, don't we? You see different needs in people than I do, and I really think that's God's put that there. He's given you, he's wired you in a certain way to see needs from a certain angle. He's given you different passions. He's given you different paths, And it's so that you can see people and see their need in a unique way. For some of you, you've, you know what it's like to be addicted. And so when you see someone who's, who's addicted, there's something inside of you that just changes, and you want to meet that need at a deeper level than the average person. For some of you, you know what it's like to be a single parent, Right? Like, you know what that struggle bus is like. And so when you see a single parent, there's something inside of you that's just this unique way of saying, I, I want to do something about it. We all see needs differently. For some of you, you know what it's like to be lonely. In a crowded room, you know what it's like to feel all alone. And so when somebody's sitting by themselves or, or when somebody just doesn't seem quite present, there's something inside of you that, that, that changes. And God has put that there because we see needs differently based on our past and based on who we are. Some... Some of us I think when we go through something tough, we wonder why did I have to go through this? Sometimes I think this is this is a benefit of going through some tough stuff. Is because God's brought me through it, I can help other people through it. We see a need, we meet a need. But it's really easy for us to dismiss the need. Notice the disciples. What do the disciples say when they see the need? Y'all go away. Y'all go home. Come back same time tomorrow, right? Y'all come see us, right? Isn't that what you always say when they leave? Y'all come see us, but, but, but y'all, go, y'all go home. It's easy for us when we see somebody with a need to say, they'll take care of it. Y'all go over there. Somebody else will get it. Somebody else has got time. Y'all go take care of it. Jesus said, no, I'm not, I'm not just going to send them away. We see the need. It's time for us to meet the need. Here's two things that I know about Jesus. Number one, Jesus is compassionate. Number two, Jesus' compassion always moves him to action. And that goes for you too. Like if you're hurting this morning, you need to know that that God, is, God looks at you and he is acting on your behalf. If you're, if, if you're, if you're lost this morning, you need to know, if, if you're without Jesus this morning, you need to know that Jesus sees you and he is moved with compassion and he loves you. And as Jana said in the video, he is crazy about you. Jesus is always compassionate and it always moves him to meet the needs of other people. And you and I are never more like Jesus than when we're meeting the needs of those around us. So the disciples respond, to Jesus, Jesus says, "You feed them," and they say, "With what?" Can't you tell? The, can't you hear that? Like 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 Peter was kind of like, "With what?" He probably threw a cuss word in there because he was Peter, but with what? They ask. We'd have to work months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. The second point: talk is easy, but not effective. Talk is easy, but not effective. You can write this down. What I say to someone will never be as effective as what I do for them. Did you catch that? What I say to them. This comes into the I'll pray for you thing. Anytime, any, anytime anything happens, we're really good Christians. And, and if you're not a believer in this room, you can speak to this. But we're really good at saying I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you, I love you. But what I say is not nearly as important as what do I do? I know you said that you would pray for me, but I'm hurting. What are you going to do for me? Like, you're supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I know you said that he loves me, but it doesn't feel like it right now. What can you do for me? Talk is easy, but it's not really effective. The reason we talk is because it makes us feel better. And that's probably where the disciples are. They recognize the need, they saw that the people were hungry, and they offered a solution with their lips. It was lip service. But here's what I love about Jesus in this story. Is sending the disciples away would have helped the, or sending the crowd away like the disciples wanted would have helped the issue. It would have solved the problem. But it wouldn't have allowed Jesus and his disciples to get involved in the problem. Oftentimes what happens when we see a need that needs to be met around us is we want it to go away. Because getting involved in it is messy, it looks weird, it smells funny at times, it takes an emotional toll on us, we don't think we're equipped. But what Jesus does in this story is he says, I don't want to just solve the problem, I want to be involved in it. I wonder, how good are we? at not just loving people and saying we love them, but how good are we at getting in their mess with them? Saying, you know what, you're not perfect, I'm not either. You know what, most people don't wanna be around you, I do. You know what, that problem is overwhelming. Yes, you do have some financial burdens, but I'm gonna come alongside of you. What would happen if we didn't just solve problems but we got involved in problems that's where jesus is he's like i don't want to just i don't want to just tell them to go away yeah they could go home they could get something to eat they could microwave something but i'm about to feed them i'm about to feed them a long john silver's combo if y'all just hold tight he says i want to be involved in this it's a it's a it's a deeper level and we live in a society that loves to talk and sometimes we can make it can make us feel like talking helps something i mean if y'all have facebook How many of of you have ever solved our political landscape by sharing an article with your opinion? Maybe I went too far. But but, but, but seriously, just just for a second. When, When we're too busy talking to people, stating our opinions, even though we don't offer solutions, all that does is divide. All that does is call people out, say it's your fault, it's your problem. What Jesus does is he gets involved in the stuff. He loves people that are different from him. He loves people that believe different things than him. He loves people that think different ways than he does. He gets involved. Talk is easy, but it's not very effective. And look at how Jesus responds to the disciples' talk. Verse 38 it says, how much bread do you have, he asks. Go and find out. They came back and reported we have five loaves of bread and two fish. They're running short on fish, kind of like Popeye's with chicken sandwiches. Has anybody tried the chicken sandwich yet from Popeye's? Did you? It was bad? Okay. That's why you stick with Christian chicken, (laughs) Glema. Love you. Verse 38. (laughs) How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Point number three, if you'll let me get there, is we don't have everything, but we all have something. We don't have everything, but we all have something. How many of you have ever started to clean up your house, and you knew you had to get it done, but when you come, I'm going to clean up my house. When I get home from work today, it's getting cleaned up, and then you walk in, And there's so much that you're just paralyzed. Like you, I, I don't even know how to start. Right? You walk in, you're like, let's go get some to eat. You know? Because you don't even you don't even even know where to start. I think for some of us, that's why we don't serve and love other people the way that we should. Is is because we're afraid that we're not going to have enough to offer. We're afraid that we're not going to know enough, that we're not going to be enough, that we're not going to have enough money, we're not going to have enough time, that we're not going to, no, it's, it's not okay for us to get involved in those problems because we're never going to solve them. I think it's easy for us to focus on what we don't have. And what Jesus tells the disciples is they say, we have no food. With what? With what? What are we supposed to feed them with? And Jesus says, I know what you don't have, but what do you have? And, and here's the thing, Jesus is always willing to start with what you have. He's always willing to start with what you have, whether that's resources, whether you feel like you're too screwed up to accept Christ or for Jesus to love you. He's always willing to start right where you are with what you have. Jesus is always willing to start with what you have. And oftentimes we're busy telling Jesus what we don't have and what he asked the disciples. He's like, well, what do you have? We're busy telling Jesus, I want a better job. I want a more paying job. Jesus is like, Well, what do you have already? Jesus said, Be faithful in the small things. What what do you have? Do you have the gift of encouraging people and you feel like that's all you got? Encourage people. Do you really love kids? That's strange, but I'm glad. No, I'm just kidding. Do you really love kids? then we have an amazing, phenomenal family ministry that you could get, that you could get plugged into. Start with where you are. Do you, are you someone who's kind of old school, you have a lot of common sense? Then mentor one of us people that are book smart. I mean, use what you have, right? Just because I don't have everything doesn't mean I don't have something. So Jesus is ready to act. He's ready to feed this crowd, but not by himself. Look at verse 39. says then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100 Jesus took the five loaves and two fish looked up toward heaven and blessed them then breaking the loaves into pieces he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people he also divided the fish for everyone to share number four what God could do himself he allows me to do. What God could do himself, he allows me to do. And this fact, just transparent, baffles me on a daily basis. I'm not playing humble, but literally, for the fact for me to be standing up here in front of you, people with much more life experience, people that are a whole lot smarter than me, people who who are a whole lot more gifted than me, but yet he allows me to stand up here. He allows me to sit at the hospital bed before someone has surgery. He he allows me to care for people. He allows me to make phone calls and to tell people they're important. The fact that God includes me in his plan baffles me. But that's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a person. Jesus involves people in his plan. You have a purpose too. And it's baffling the fact that God, could, could Jesus have fed these people? Yes. He could have snapped his fingers and a long John Silver's value meal for everyone, right? Everyone in the world. Jesus could have done this. He could have snapped his fingers and not only multiplied the food, but he could have had it all passed out just like. <laughs> but what does Jesus do instead? Did you, did you catch it? He gives it to the disciples, and they're the ones that pass it out. But if, if you go back, and I thought this was really cool. I actually just saw this last night. I thought this was really cool. I wanted to share it. Um, It says, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to his disciples so they could distribute it to the people. So in other words, the miracle happened in the hands of Jesus. The people were only the servers. And so here's Jesus. He's he's got this bread. He thanks God for it. And he begins to break it apart. And I have to believe that at one point they thought it was a magic trick. Like, does he have something up his sleeve? Where is this bread coming from? Because this is the first time Jesus has done this in Mark, not the second. And so they have to be thinking, where is this bread coming from? But he continues to break it, and then he hands it to the disciples. And so the miracle is occurring in the hands of Jesus. The people are just serving the food. And as they serve it, more and more food is being made. And here's why I say that. Because some of us, don't love people the way we should, or don't have a conversation with people the way that we should, or don't invite to church church someone that we should, or don't share Jesus with someone that we should, and the problem is, is we think we're responsible for the miracle. But we're just the server. That takes the pressure off, doesn't it? I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. I don't have to have a solution. I can love you in your mess, I can walk alongside of you, but I don't have to have the solution because I am simply the servant. He is the miracle worker. I can walk alongside of you because it takes the pressure off. Jesus is the one multiplying the bread. The disciples are simply the ones that are passing it out. And why does Jesus choose to use us? If he could do it himself, why does he choose use us. You th- see, at one point in my life, I think I really thought that God needed something that I had. And so it was almost like my Christian duty to serve Jesus and to serve other people because it was almost like he needed what I had. And then I figured out, God doesn't need what I have. I don't, everything I have, God gave to me in the first place, right? He created me, he made me, he created the world, he created Um, The food that I eat, he created the the money that I spend. He created everything about me. He doesn't need me, but he wants me. Because he knows that in working through me, he gets to work with me. And the thing that God is after with you is relationship. And so if he can find a way to grow closer to you while helping other people find him as well, it's a no-brainer. When I was... Growing up, my dad owned a lawn maintenance business um, for pretty much the whole time that I was, I was growing up. And so uh, I would go with him. Uh, it was child abuse is really what it was. But I would go with him <laughs> to, uh, to cut grass, um, especially once I got, a little, I got a little older. and One of the places we would go was this huge cemetery that would take five, six hours of him and me both with a weed eater going to town on that thing to cut it, and it was hot, it was excruciating. I was in high school, I complained a lot. But looking back, looking back on helping dad, or, as I think about it, are some of my greatest memories. You see, I've, I have a child now myself, and I figured out that going to help dad cut grass was not about getting the job done faster. Dad was a lot faster at weed eating than I am. As a matter of fact, every time my my, my weed eater ran out of string, or any time it cut off or something, I had to go get him. And so not only was I was I stopped, but I was interrupting him and he had to stop. It actually took longer. I wasn't that much help. But what I've come to realize is I've become a father. And looking back on those fine memories is that the reason Dad wanted me to help him cut grass wasn't because he wanted something that I had and an ability I had. It's because he wanted to do it with me. And it was worth the trouble. God has the same plan with you. And when you figure out That he has birthed inside of you a purpose. That there's something inside of you that has a passion and a purpose. When you figure that out and you begin to walk in it, there is nothing like that. But it starts with just loving people where they are. See, we don't don't work to earn God's presence. We work because we're already there because we get to experience it with him. These disciples, they were already in the presence of Jesus, whether they did anything or not. They weren't working to try to earn the presence of Jesus. They were already there. They were simply doing what Jesus asked them to, and they got to witness the miracle. Look at what happens, because they put action to the need. Verse 42. says, they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Number five, the end is worth the effort. The end is worth the effort. When we partner with God, it always pays off. So depending on who you listen to, there's 12 to 15,000 people, including women and children, that witnessed this miracle. But here's the thing. The disciples didn't know it was going to pay off like this when they started, did it? All they were doing was walking with Jesus, and they started out by handing out some bread. They had no idea the end result. They only saw what needed to be done in the moment. Some of us, you think your part's small, and I would serve in kids' ministry, but it's just a little small part. It's not going to really make that much difference. I would, I would run a camera, but it takes so many people. What difference is it going to make? I, I don't really have the time anyway. And so what we tend to do is we tend to put things off because we only look at our piece. The disciples didn't see what was going to happen as the end result. They just started doing. And that's the beauty of the church is that we all have our piece of the picture to paint. And as it's painted, things begin to, things begin to fall into, into place. It may not feel like your part as much, but your part combined with my part, combined with their part, combined with their part, becomes a big deal, becomes a big thing. As a matter of fact, did you know that we're sitting here today because about 24 years ago, there were 40-something people that decided, I'm going to do my part. And I'm going to go help help start this church. And I I know it's just a small thing that I can do, but I really believe that it's going to change lives. And we are here today because somebody was willing to see a need, to meet a need, was willing to give their little part. And we are here today because of it sitting in this building 24 years later. It's always worth it. Because an investment... And eternal things never decreases and never comes back void. Jesus is still taking a little and turning it into a lot, just like he did this day sitting here with his disciples. If you're in here and you're not a believer, I want you to know that he still doesn't let people go away empty. This crowd was hungry this day, and he fed them with every head bowed and every eye closed you're in here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus and you feel like you're hungry and I'm not talking about you want to go to lunch on Silver's I'm saying that you have this thing inside of you and you've been trying to fill it up on yourself by yourself and you've been trying to earn it and figure it out but you feel like this morning that God is saying you need to accept me would you just pray this little prayer you can pray it inside in your head or you can pray it out loud whatever you want to do just say Jesus I can't feel this spot on my own I'm tired of trying but I believe you love me I believe you want to meet my need and I believe you are who you said you were that you lived a perfect life that you died and you rose because I was on your heart And so this morning I surrender Jesus name amen so as I said at the beginning this was not just about serving in church the world needs a group of people who are willing to love others to serve others to get in their mess to walk alongside of them to not just solve the problem but involve themselves in the, in the problem the world needs that group of people and never in the history of mankind has there been a greater desire to be loved and to be known and we have an opportunity to do that when you go to work tomorrow there are going to be people there that you've been putting it off but you need to love them when you go to school tomorrow Maybe a new school year, but you already know who those people are. There is somebody there that you need to love. When you're with your family, I'm talking about that crazy aunt. You need to love her. You need to love her. The world needs some people that are willing to love with no strings attached and say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out either. I don't have everything to give, but I have something and I'm going to love you right where you are. You don't have to clean up. You don't have, to, you don't have to, to make up for it. You don't have to repay it. I love you right where you are because ultimately that is who we serve in Jesus. He loves you just the way you are. I'm not just talking about serving in the church, but I am talking about serving in the church too. We have a little three step process here at Springwell. We call come, connect, commit. So basically what we want you to do when you first get here is we want you to come, right? Makes sense. Come on a Sunday morning, hang out, fill out that card, y'all really don't fill it out the first week, it's usually like the fifth week, we know. Fill out that card eventually, the second step is connect, connect is, is where church community really begins to happen because it's through connecting that through connecting to a growth group or through connecting to serving that you really feel like you're a part and so you really do feel like I have this little piece of the picture over here to paint and I'm going to combine mine with everybody else's and we're going to make we're going to make a picture and so connection is really where that begins to happen and so this morning we have laid it out for you there's a, a a paper in your chair that says I'm all in And I just want you to know, for Gamecock fans, i argued for you, okay? (laughs) Clemson fans, you're good with I'm all in. If you don't understand it, don't worry about it, okay? But there's a paper that says I'm all in, and on that is every serving opportunity we have here at Springwell. What you can do is you can fill that paper out, and on your way out there's white tents by each door. We want to celebrate you. For coming for going all in this morning and so if you'll take that paper there's staff out there they're waiting for you they're waiting to celebrate they're waiting to take that paper from you and we're even gonna ring a bell to celebrate the fact that one more person found their place and stopped just talking but started doing so if you're interested in in that don't let time intimidate you don't let the description intimidate you we will walk you through all of that we want you to get connected This morning some things only take a week a month some things take a week uh, I mean a hour a month some things take an hour a week but there's ways to get involved whether it's pushing buttons back there and making all of this happen whether it's greeting at the door whether it's changing diapers and loving those kids and praying for those babies and praying for those parents that drop them off or whether it's serving over in kids ministry at Celebrate Recovery Um, we even need people to fix things around and I'm sure I'm forgetting something but it takes a lot to make this happen, and we've got to find our place. Let's go all in. And let me just say, as, as a pastor here, Springwell's best days are ahead, and now is a perfect time to be involved in what God is about to do in this place. The past is amazing and awesome, but the future, where we're going, guys, God is about to use us to reach this city, this community, and beyond. So let's be a part. Let's go all in with this. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are. thank you that you involve us in your plan. God, it still baffles me that you would let me play a part. God, thank you for this wonderful group of people that, God, are so, each so unique and different, but together make such, a, such an amazing church. God, for the person that's here for the first week, for the person that was here the very first week of spring whatever god we thank you for them that they are just as important to you god help for us to find our place help for us to go all in and god help for us to begin living with a sense of purpose and serving towards those interruptions that we get in life god let us make those divine interruptions because you do something through them god i love you thank you so much for the privilege to teach this group of people and to love them and serve them in jesus name amen